taken by the local newspaper who asked me to pose as a wrestler, and I didn't even wrestle. And that made the wrestling coach really irate and mad uh, because the wrestling team was out at a meet, and he wanted to come through and do an article. And he needed a photo op, and he asked me, and I should have never did it because then the wrestling coach, who was my gym teacher, was really mad at me. And uh, he, he, he had me do some extra time. Uh, so uh, three pictures. I, I've never took, you know, no pictures were taken of me. I don't take pictures. Uh, but I, I like to be involved in the activity. So Janie and I, uh, back in 2011, we hiked the Grand Canyon. We went, I think I shared it on a Sunday. I'll share it again really quickly. We walked two and a half or three miles to the rim that we were going to hike, and then we hiked down a mile and a half. We, we descended probably close to four or 5,000 feet down, and then we came back up four or 5,000 feet. 5,280 feet is a mile. So yes, it was nearly straight up and straight down that we climbed. And But when we got back up, we had another two and a half, three mile hike to the car. Halfway back to the car, it was a downpour. We had already hiked, you know, the mile and a half times two, three, then six. We've already done about seven, seven and a half miles. It's a downpour. We had to run the last mile and a half, two miles to the car, but it was just one of the greatest days ever. You know, we were tired, had to go to a local department store and get new clothes for the four-hour ride back to Phoenix and all that. Now, that was an experience. That was being, that was being a, a traveler and not just a tourist. I read just two days ago that so far in the last 33 days, four people died at the Grand Canyon taking selfies. They literally took a selfie and fell off the cliff. What is it with a selfie world? Right? You know, maybe you take selfies. I don't mean to bash you if you're a selfie taker. Uh, Janie and I have taken about a half a dozen selfies in our whole uh, media life. I don't, I, again, I don't take pictures. But I, here's, what, here's what I think Solomon is saying is the eye is not satisfied with seeing. James, Jesus' half-brother, said we need to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Sometimes we get in this mode that we just want to read everything. And I, Janie and I heard on, on the television this morning, we we're getting ready, and the, they're talking about the news on how now they're, they're talking about taking away the likes on Facebook and Instagram and that because so many young people are filled with anxiety because their post isn't, isn't you know, liked as well. And I always tell Janie, and she, she likes Instagram things. She, she tries to put things out there for her friends and different things. And I don't always care for people to know what I'm eating. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we've got to keep that ice cream a secret, right? It's not <laughs> and she does it for fun. But there's an anxiety problem within our young people because they're not getting the number of likes that maybe somebody else is, or they're not as popular as somebody else, and they're simply being a tourist and not a traveler. Listen, if you're busy doing stuff, you don't care if people are liking you or not, all right? If you're busy being what God's telling you to be, who cares what everybody else thinks about you? It's not a big deal. As long as God's happy with you, that's all you have to please. That's all you have to please. And if they, listen, four people in the last 33 days fell off the Grand Canyon, two of which were taking selfies. The other two just got too close to the rim. We need to start in the, in the church world, we need to start doing and not just hearing. We need to start being the church and not just going to church. 
We need to be involved in something in the local community so that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes the traveler always understands that at the end of the day, that's the destination, that we really should love the journey. My father-in-law, I call him Cousin Eddie because he's had so many campers in his whole life. I know he's had at least 40 campers. Uh, and he had another one uh, that he was going to drive down here. And so Janie called him the other day. Actually, he called because I sent him a book and he read it. And, uh, and I think, is the camper already gone? That sound like, it sounded like it was. He bought it to come down here. And we were up there back in March for our grandson's birthday. And uh, it was like, come see the camper. And I'm, honestly, in my spirit, I was like, this is a waste of time. This is the only time we're ever going to see this camper. It's never going to make it to North Carolina. It's, we're never going to, by the time we come up there again, and we make two or three trips back home, by the time we come back, he will either have no camper or another camper. This is a waste of time. And sure enough, it was a waste of time, a valuable time, because he takes you through everything. I don't know how many times I have to step inside a camper bathroom just to get the experience. I'm never going to use it. My camper is like, either a really nice hotel or my house. I'm not, I don't camp. We've camped before, forgot the pent poles and the pent, and we've, we slept in the car, and we've been miserable, we've been eaten up by bugs and all kinds of things. I don't like to camp, and I don't want to see the camper anymore. He's had 40 of them, at least, probably more. But his whole life is about the journey. Like, he wants to... He wants to get ready. They pack for three or four days. They, they, they stock the camper. They remodel the camper. They put new tables in the camper. He'll put new tires on the camper. They take one trip. They come back. The camper's gone. Because the, the destination usually disappoints him because he likes so much to be the traveler. Make sense? And I think there's a spiritual implication there that you shouldn't let life get ahead of you. You should always enjoy each and every day. This is what Solomon's telling us, okay? Listen again. The eye is not satisfied with seeing. James, Jesus' half-brother, says, be doers. Go out and do something. And go say hi to a neighbor. I do, I will share one little part of my book, and I promised myself I wouldn't, although Marcus and some of our team have said, no, you should preach on it. I, no, I'm not going to, but I'm going to share this. I think there's a culture today where back when we were, when I was growing up, my age group was growing up, we had a front porch and a back patio, and we would sit on the front porch, or we would sit on the back patio, and neighbors would come over, okay? And then I can remember when we got central air. When we got central air, we stayed in the house a whole lot more in the summertime. And I can remember when Janie and I uh, bought a house and we had uh, these things on the visors that you push and the garage doors go up. And when you pull in, the garage doors come down. That's tough on the society of America because we're, we're less communal than we used to be, right? And the Lord wants us to be, as a church, community-minded, to be able to share the good news with people, not to just hurry up and come in, hurry up and go home. We did our duty. God never intended for Christianity to be a duty. He intended it for be a lifestyle. He intended for us to walk this thing out and not judge people, not point our fingers, but just to love people and walk this thing out. So for number one, be a traveler, not a tourist. Number two, take a walk with a turtle. Take a walk with, take a walk with a turtle. Turtles are slow. 
Turtle. In fact, we had uh, back in our uh, first church, Andrew was in maybe third grade, and Janie and myself and Andrew, we took a trip to Florida. We drove, and uh, we, Andrew found a little turtle. Did we call that turtle Bob? Was that Bob? Bob was a turtle. And, and we brought Bob back home, and Andrew named it. And we had a fish tank uh, that we put Bob in. And he would camp on rocks, and he would swim. And then we bought another turtle, too, right? Crush. Crush, that's a cool name for a turtle. Like, Crush, man, and Bob. And Crush and Bob were really cool turtles, and Andrew loved those turtles. But, you know, turtles are super slow. And we had a couple of goldfish in there, and we, we were feeding them turtle food. We were feeding them goldfish food, and the, we noticed the fish were swimming around, and the turtles were uh, lethargic, as turtles would be. But after a while, the turtles seemed really lethargic. And then one day, the turtle was upside down, floating. And Andrew said, what happened to Bob? Bob's dead. And uh, it turned out, because turtles are so slow, the fish would get to the food before the turtle would. And the poor turtles just starved to death. Now, I don't mean to you know, make you sad at this, but I think in life, don't sometimes we get a little too fast on things? Don't we get too fast with our judgment? Don't we get too fast with our reactions? Don't we get too fast with our finger pointing? Don't we get too fast? I have, I have read, and I'll just I use this for an example because I want to show you sometimes on how I, I am preaching to myself. So I did a 30-day through the Bible reading plan to start the year. Some of the guys around here, some of the kids around here, young people uh, did a 30-day shred. Well, I did mine in 25 days. <sighs> so then I thought, I gotta slow down. So I did a 90-day plan, and I got done in 75 days. So then I thought, I'm gonna, I'm, I gotta, I can't, I have to just enjoy. Like, there's something there that makes me, and part of it is good. I wanna get as much God's word in me as possible, right? And so, so like, but now I'm on a 40-day plan through the New Testament. Well, I'm 23 days ahead. It's like I, <laughs> I just, I got to slow down. And maybe that's where you're at tonight too. Maybe you just need to slow down. You have to take a walk with the turtle. Alex Haley, the author of Roots, uh, said this. He has a, on his desk, he has a turtle, a, a copy or a picture of a turtle on a fence post. And you've heard this story before. But he said, every time I think I've done think something by myself, I look at the turtle on the fence post because that turtle didn't get there by itself. Somebody placed that turtle up there. If you're anywhere in life, chances are you've gotten there with the help of other people. Somebody has mentored you or discipled you. Somebody has prayed for you or walked alongside of you. Someone has encouraged you or helped you. And I think when we take a walk with the turtle, again, Ecclesiastes says, what has been is what will, what, is what we'll be seeing. Okay, what, what's that mean? What goes around comes around. You know, we get in a hurry to do things. We get in a hurry to go places. We get in a hurry to want to get it done where we actually kind of miss the episode in itself, you know. And if we're in a church service on a Wednesday night and there's just kind of a fun teaching about five things that Solomon would say to us, I think one of the things Solomon would say, now Solomon, remember, had like 700 wives and 300 concubines. And this is a guy that didn't slow down at all. But I think at the end of the day, he would say, hey, just take life as it is. Just, just take it easy. Take, be, enjoy each other's company. Enjoy. And I think Solomon would have said some of these things in the later years of his life. And I don't, I don't portray to be old, but I, I really am not young anymore. And I feel like I have some wisdom to give. 
But I think this is a really good thing. If we're going to be like taking a walk with the turtle, like our granddaughter, Selah, whom I love dearly, the jury's still out if she really loves me or not. But she loves her Grammy. I mean, she, well, she was at other Grammy's house. Nothing wrong with other Grammy. Is Charity here? Not saying there's anything wrong with other Grammy, but she came back a wild woman. And Janie watches her on Tuesday, and she was just running around the house. She was very unsailor-like, wasn't she? She was just like lights out. Well, then after her nap, she woke up to be back to sailor. And it was but the the back to sailor, the real sailor, like she's very deliberate. She's very intentional. She she. Uh, she's, I call her parakeet because she repeats everything. And I said, you're just a little, little parakeet. I, yeah, I have parakeet. And I said, you're just a little cutie. Yeah, I have cutie. And then she'll say, poppy cutie. I said, no, poppy's not cute. Poppy cutie. And we have this little tug of war back and forth. But she's very deliberate, very intentional. Well, she's not slow like a turtle, but she's smallish like a turtle. And I mean that in a good way. I think church... Sometimes we want big and grandiose. Sometimes we want uh, fast and right away. When the Lord just wants to take us through the journey again, okay? Everything's about a journey. He wants to take us through this journey so that he can teach us along life's highways. And if we can be taught around along life's highways, okay, we have to be deliberate. Psalms 46 and 10 said, be still and know that I am God. What's he saying? Be a, be a turtle. Just, just be, be careful. Be, be slow. Slow down. Be still and know that I am God. I've had the unfortunate opportunity to bury a baby that was six hours old, another baby that was 14 days old, and another baby that was 30 days old. And the baby that passed away that was 30 days old, uh, these folks, the only Jesus they knew was from me and Janie. Uh, they were the hostess at the restaurant that we had eaten at for a long, long time. Uh, and they had a little baby uh, named Jack, the cutest little baby. And uh, something happened. Uh, and he just absolutely died in his father's arms in the middle of the night during a feeding. Uh, sad situation. We were out of town on a ministry event. The owner of the restaurants uh, called and uh, said, hey, please, please get back here. We have to, you, these guys need you. Uh, they were crying. Uh, the owner of the restaurant was crying. They were crying. We showed up. Uh, the house full of people. And the only words that we could really share were, hey, be still and know that he is God. Uh, our, our pain is your pain. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing else that we can say. There's nothing else that we can do. Be still and know that he is God. And I think, again, no matter how we walk through life, this is something that the Lord wants us to know. Be still and know that he is God. I think, and, and we've, my wife and I have talked about it, there is such an anxiety problem in the world today, in America today, and a lot of it is because we, we want what we don't have, that when we get what we really want, we still, we're not happy with it. Not, not, listen, nothing but Jesus will truly make you happy. Amen. Nothing but Jesus will truly make you happy. In order to be happy, you have to have Jesus. We can't count on things, a new house or a new whatever, a new job or a new this or a new that. Nothing will make you happy except Jesus. And if we take a walk with the turtle, we start to realize and we start to see things. And 
my wife is a lot more noticeable than, than, than I am. And we were on a bike ride the other day, and I try to keep my, my uh, eyes on the road. And uh, she's looking at the horse up here, and she's looking at the cows down there. And, she's looking, and we were on a bike ride the other day, and we saw a buffalo. We saw a buffalo out somewhere. I forget where we were. So, and I did. I did swerve. My problem with me riding a bike is where I look, I turn. <laughs> and so that's not always good on a motorcycle. Where, where are they? No, keep your eyes on the road. But we saw a buffalo, which was really cool. And uh, I don't mean to scare you, but that's the way I ride sometimes. Unless I'm with John and Diane, then I just do whatever John does. It works out good. Number, number So if he crashes, I'm in big trouble because it's, I'm, I'm going to hit him. I'm just telling you. All right, number three, don't see the wall. Don't see the wall. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. A lot of times we look at the obstacle, we don't look at the finish point. We look at the things like on why we can't do stuff. Well, how come I can't go share the good news with somebody? Or how come I can't be successful in business? Or how come I can't coach them up? Or how come I can't sing this way? Or how come I can't do those things? Well, we look at the obstacle or we say, I can't do it because, or my kids won't be that way because. And my mother was like that. And I, God bless her. I love my mom dearly. But she always said we lived on the wrong side of the tracks. And one day as a young person, uh, before I knew any better, I said, well, then we just need to move to the other the side of the tracks. Literally, I, thought, I was thinking literally. Uh, Marcus gets his literality from me. Marcus is a very literal person, and I try not to be. I've tried to broaden my, my scope, but I said, Mom, we should just move to the other side of the track. Oh, Marky, that's not what I'm talking about. But if we're always putting obstacles up, aren't we diminishing the work of God? Aren't we diminishing the power of God? Are we diminishing our faith just a little bit? If we're, if we're saying, well, I can't do this because of that. If I can't do that because there's a wall there. If I can't do that because there's a person there. If there can't do that because nobody's done it before. Why can't we? Why, if we've given our work over to the Lord, he will establish the plans. And that obstacle will just be something that makes us and not breaks us. It will just be something that grows us. It will be something that shows us. It will be something that makes us stronger and not weaker. The, the righteous person falls seven times, but what? Gets up every time. Why is that? Because there, there's ump there. there. There's a get to there. They, they're ready for that. They're, they're, in that. they're in that mode. Obstacles are just adjustments. Somebody might want to write that down. An obstacle is just an adjustment. That's all it is. And I think of the movie uh, Apollo 13, where they have on the table all the things that they have on the spaceship that they need to fix, and they're just make, they're trying to figure out what, what they can do. If you put your plans into the Lord, God will show you, and he'll establish them. Lord, what, what do I want to do? Where do I want to take my business? Or where do I want to take my family? Or where do I want to take my, my schooling or my education? Where do I want to take uh, the scripture? How do I want to evangelize? How do I want to grow my company? How do I want to do the, how do I, Lord, how do I want to get closer to you? If you allow the Lord to establish those plans in your heart, he will. We have to look beyond those things. Let me give you four things really quickly on, on the wall if you're writing them down. One, you have to control your emotions. Sometimes we allow the bottom to fall out. Oh my goodness, this happened. Oh no, I got laid off. Well, you're, seeing, you're looking at a person that's been laid off four times before the age of 25, married with three kids. 
You have to control your emotions. And believe me, I was the emotional one. Janie would be like, it's going to be all right. I'm breaking out in hives. I can't talk. I got a fever. All this reaction to just how am I going to pay the bills? I was a nervous, anxious wreck. And she calmed me down. And then when I started to get into the word, I realized, hey, it's not the emotion anyway. You should never be controlled by your emotions. You should be controlled by your passion. Passion is what should, what should be what controls you, not your emotions. Number two, be objective. Be objective. Don't be, don't be uh, someone who is just a, a wreck. Be, be positive. Be positive in that, in that realm, which is number three as well. Remain positive. So if you're objective, hey, it may not work out the way we think it's going to work out, but it's going to work out. We're going to be objective, and then we're going to remain positive, number three, so that we know that these things are going to happen, and they're going to, it's, not, it's not the power of positive thinking. It's not Scientology. We're going to think this problem away. If, some, if there's a problem, there's a problem, but we have to be objective for the problem. What's another way around this situation? What's another thing we can talk about? How can we get there? Number four, learn from mistakes. And I don't have learn from our mistakes or your mistakes. I just have learn from mistakes. It's okay. Can I give you the power to learn from somebody else's mistakes? <laughs> I mean, that's the best way, right? Like, hey, it works so good. Like I said a minute ago, if John wrecks, I'm probably going to wreck. Well, maybe not. If John wrecks, I'm just going to go around him. I'm going to break and then put the kickstand down, and then I'm going to go over and make sure he's okay. Learn from mistakes. If somebody didn't do it right, doesn't mean that you have to follow, okay? So if we learn from mistakes, if, we, if we're walking that realm, then we're not seeing the wall. We see too many obstacles, especially in the church room. In fact, especially in Christianity, Christ followers, see, they have a lot of excuses on why they can't do something, especially if it's for the Lord, especially if it's a command by God. We have a lot of excuses. Well, in fact, Jesus tells the story, right? And a, a man bought a field, and he had, builds a big table. He builds a big dinner. He has it suited out. It's really cool. And he starts to say, hey, go invite. He invites people. And this one says, well, I just got married. I can't come. The other one says, well, I just bought some cows in the field. I can't come. The other one said, well, I'm busy doing this. And he couldn't come. And then he says, go into the highways and the byways. And compel them. Use whatever means necessary to bring them. And he's talking about heaven. It's a parable about the end times, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we have a lot of people that, can you believe it, are just masked. They're just covered by the enemy because they have no idea in life that this salvation is free. That Jesus died for every single person so that we can spend eternity with him. But by the way, God wants us to share that good news with people. He wants us to share it. So we got to be careful that we're not the ones making excuses. Number four, everyone dies, but not everyone lives. In fact, that's a quote from William Wallace, the uh, Braveheart movie, but he was a real person that died in 1305. Those were his dying words, everyone dies, but not everyone lives. Everyone dies, but not everyone lives. How fruitless would it be to go through life and, and, and have regrets because you didn't make that phone call to that, that, that brother or sister, that mom or dad, that, that lost neighbor, that person that you'd been squabbling with forever? How fruitless would it be if, if you didn't go over and introduce yourself to a neighbor or a coworker, or a family member? How fruitless would it be if, if we walked through life because we were so busy doing things that we forgot to actually live? 
Everybody dies, but not everybody lives. William Wallace changed the country, Scotland, and maybe we can just change our homes, or we can change our community, or we can change our neighborhoods, or we can change. And it's not, not about evangelism, it's about laughing. When was the last time you laughed? When was the last time that you cried for somebody? When was the last time that you wrote a, lo a note or a letter? When was the last time that you gave somebody a high five and appreciated them? When was the last time that you dot, 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 you fill in the blanks? When was the last time? Not everybody, everybody dies, but not everybody lives. William Wallace. I have written here, find out what matters and then go for it. Find out what trips your trigger and then go for it. I'll tell you this, and you know it because I've preached on it before. My, get, my wife will get whatever she wants. She is a pit bull, and she goes for it. She literally just will go for it, and she will wear you out in a good way. Honey, in a good way, honey. But she'll go for it. And listen, I appreciate that. I appreciate people that know what they want, and they go after it. But I think, again, in the church world, we just kind of, well, we blame a lot on God, don't we? Well, it must be God's will that it, that didn't happen. Or it must be God, it must be God. No, it must be that that person didn't get up off the couch and go get the job so that they could make the car payment. That's why the car was repossessed. Ouch. Preaching, right? I don't think it's, can I say this? I, I don't think, I want to phrase it right. I think we blame God for a lot of things that ultimately are our fault. And if we would just be careful and say, okay, today, man, I want to live. Today I want to, today I would just want to, I want to see God work. And today I want to, maybe I want to read through the Bible. Or maybe I want to go evangelize. Or maybe I want to take somebody out to lunch. Or maybe I want to go on a date night with my wife. Or maybe I want to go on a trip with her. Or maybe I want to go away for the weekend. Whatever it looks like. Maybe it's a motorcycle. Whatever makes you want to live, you need to live. Because otherwise, Solomon said, this life is but a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow. And in the whole scheme of things, that's pretty right. Think about humanity as we know it. We're, we're in agreement where we would say humanity has been on earth somewhere between 5,700 and 6,000 years. That's just a vapor. Your 40, 50, 60, 80, 100 years is just a flash. It's just a moment. And in my, I personally have no bucket list. I don't, I don't believe in them. You can have as many bucket lists as you want. But I don't have, I want to enjoy every day. I, like, I don't have this, I need this, or I, want, I don't have a bucket list. I don't know if that's good or bad. Maybe I'm just strange. But I don't have them. I don't, I've never had them. I just want to enjoy life tomorrow when I get up, tonight when I go to bed, the next day. Jenny and I look forward so much to Sundays. We love Sundays because we get to see all of our uh, family, the church family, our, our friends. We get to meet people. We had two incredible just life changes Sunday morning, the second service, that just like we were on cloud nine the whole, the whole day. And Janie was telling me about the, the, the friends that, that just surrendered their hearts to the Lord. And it was just, it was a miracle, okay? That's life, church. That's life. And when you can, you can share the good news on a personal basis with anybody and everybody, that's living, not dying. Last one, live the question. Live the question. Who is man that you are mindful of him? 
that is Psalms, that's actually David, Solomon's father, who said that, who is man, that you are mindful. Maria Rilke, a, a poet, said this, do not now seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the question now. Perhaps then you will gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. What makes you get up in the morning? What makes you maybe just a little bit irritated or mad? What change can you make in society? What difference can you make in your neighborhood? What difference can you make just in your business or in your person or in yourself, a, a person, I, I've been reading these articles of these people who, who've lost 160 pounds, and a lot of them would say, I just got mad at the way I was. I read an article on a 101-year-old the other day who still does barbell bench presses with 25-pound uh, dumbbells. It, it was the coolest thing, and the guy looked like he was, honestly, maybe 68 or 70. He works out every day, 101. And he said, I just got mad. He had been a big weight a loser uh, years ago. He said, just got mad at how I was. What if you just got mad the way the society was? And I'm not talking about the way the world would react. We'd maybe go do something about it in a worldly fashion. What if we got so mad about the, the way things were that we just took it to the Lord in prayer and we prayed 24-7 or we fasted 24-7 or we read the Bible. We just got so mad. Lord, we just can't have this sin in our community. Father, do something about it and use us to do it. So we have to live the question. We have to, we have to be part of who we are. This is what David was saying. What is man that you all are mindful of him? What is man that you are mindful of him? Because obviously, Lord, you want us to do something. And maybe those are five questions that Solomon would have asked us. Maybe those are five statements that he would say, hey, why don't you take a walk with the turtle? Why don't you slow down? Hey, why don't you live the question Versus always ask. Our number two grandson, Jonah, when he was two and a half or three, he got into this real why stage. Why? 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 And Janie would explain it, and he would say, oh. He, and he wouldn't understand it. He was just like, it was why, and then it was oh. And he would say, why? And then she would say something, he would, oh. And you know he wasn't, he wasn't getting it. Totally wasn't getting it. We would ask God, we could ask God all the why we want, and if he answered, we'd say, oh, we still wouldn't get it. Why? Because his thoughts are way higher than our thoughts. His means are way more than our means, but his word will not come back void. And if we just live the question and say, okay, God, I don't know why it is, but here's my faith. I don't have to know why. Let me just walk it out. Let me just live it out. Let me just, let me just be the soldier you called me to be and move forward into whatever you called me to be. And if we do that, you know what? Life would be pretty good. Bow your heads for just a second. Let me pray. Father, you're such an awesome God. We thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for the people here tonight. Lord, I hope that this word has helped them, Father, in some way. Maybe there's a person here tonight that just, they've been struggling in different areas. Maybe they've moved too fast, or maybe they've gotten mad at the wrong things, or maybe they're, they haven't been deliberate enough. Lord, I just ask, Lord, you to help them to slow down. Lord, help us as a church. Lord, yeah, we want to be big and we want to grow, and, but Lord, we want to make sure we're doing it for the right reasons or that we're helping people, that we're moving with people, that we're walking with people. Lord, I, I pray right now.
that each and every person here, each and every home here, would wake up tomorrow and they would live and they would also live the question, Father. I speak life into them. Her heads of protection around the bottom and a shield of favor over them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. We love you. Don't forget the pictures. If you signed up for uh, or bought a ticket, come to the house at 12, and we'll see you Sunday morning at 9-11. God bless you. Love you.
Stop this for real. 